Hello, I'm Sean. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad that you're listening today. For more information on all that's happening at Wellspring, please visit our website at www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you. Take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, we're still continuing our study here in um, Exodus, but we're going to start in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 and verse uh, 27. The Bible says, By faith, talking about Moses, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith, he kept the Passover. That's interesting uh, a way of saying it. Through faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do or drown. Now, Turn to Exodus chapter 12. So you see here, in, in, uh, as we look at this portion of Israel's history, as we've been studying the book of Exodus, that there are so many pictures and types uh, for us today, in our life, in our everyday life, but also on how we know God and draw close to Him. And this morning as we study the Passover that began in Exodus, uh, this illustrates many New Testament truths to us. The significance in the blood that is shed, um, how that God saves by substitutionary death, um, that's important. And the power of God is on display in a great mighty way in the book of Exodus as we see the contest between God and the gods of Egypt and the plagues. We see the power of God as they pass through the Red Sea and and the pictures and types there of of baptism. Now remember, as we studied last week, Egypt was, or Israel was in great bondage in Egypt. I mean, it was awful. It was terrible. They were persecuted, enslaved 400 years there. Their children were endangered and being killed. Um, their, their work was hard and rigorous, the Bible says. But God keeps His promises and He, and he brings them out. And as He brings them out, I want, to sh- I want us to focus in on that this morning. In Exodus chapter 12 and verse 1, the Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month, shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make that your count for the lamb. Your lamb 
shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the house wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Look at verse 11. And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded and your shoes on your feet and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. It is the Lord's Passover. So here, God is establishing the Passover, and it's the Lord's Passover. Sometimes we think of it as Israel's Passover. It is not. It is the Lord's Passover. And this Passover, as we study it, is a picture and type of salvation. The the blood being applied. And it says it was applied by faith in Hebrews chapter 11. The blood being applied. A substitutionary death that we mentioned. Just like us. Just like us today. That you cannot read this passage and not think of Jesus Christ, our Passover Lamb. It says there in verse 6 that they took it. I like, I like, sometimes I like focusing in on like one word in a passage. And it says, and they took it. But it wasn't an it. There was thousands of lambs being slaughtered that night. There was 600,000 men. There was 600,000 households. And they said it took it as a picture and type of the lamb that would come. It. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. It was the lamb that Isaac asked his father in Genesis chapter 22 and verse 7. He says, but where is the lamb? For the burnt offering. That's what Isaac asked his father as they went up that hill. And you can almost hear John the Baptist from John chapter 1 call back to Isaac down throughout history past in the Old Testament. As John the Baptist, when he sees Jesus Christ, says, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He's calling back to all those folks and says, Behold, I see Him now. I see him now. I mean, I would behold someone that could take away the sin of the world. That's quite a statement now, isn't it? John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. We know the Bible tells us without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And so this is established here, this blood being shed and put on the doorposts and on the header. And because of that, they're going to be safe and they're going to be free. Look at verse 12. Look at verse 12 of Exodus 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn. Now you understand, as we've studied through Exodus, this is the last of those, of those plagues. This is the last of the contest between God Jehovah, the I Am, and the gods of Egypt. He says, in the, I will smite all the firstborns in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the saying, gods of Egypt. That's what this is about. This is between God and all the false gods. And I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be unto you for a token upon the houses which ye are. And when I see the blood, 
This is like the hymn that we That's sing that today. Thing. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Boy, this is a key thought. This is a key verse here in this passage. But this is also, uh, those verses right there are kind of the key of the Bible. As you see that this is a substitutionary death that uh, no longer do we have a fear of death. Those people in, 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 um, in, in Egypt, and, and Lee's going to sing a song here at the end that kind of goes along with that, that, that if the blood is applied, then there's no, no reason to fear death. That death angel that comes through. If the blood is applied, there's no reason for us to be afraid. Why? Because of that promise of God. That substitutionary death that was put in place. This is our message today to the world. Really, is that there is a substitute. There is a way of forgiveness. There is a way to redemption. There is a way to forgiveness. There is a way to have your sins completely forgiven and know it and feel it. This is salvation. Let me say this about salvation, and as you see here established, is salvation is free for us, but it is not free. Salvation is free for us. It's a free gift, but it is not free. See, Jesus Christ came as our sacrifice. God, a holy, righteous God, cannot just forgive sin without a payment. There has to be a payment for sin. There has to be. And so God, in His great, wonderful mercy and love toward us, said there must be a payment for this sin. So I will pay. I will come in human flesh. I will send my Son, Jesus Christ, who will take the sin on Himself. See, salvation is free for us, but can I say, a very, very high price was paid. Yes, a very high price was paid for it. Jesus Christ is our price. This salvation that comes because of the blood that was applied is new life. Jesus Christ said this when He came. He said, I am come that you might have life. He said this. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Salvation is like a... It, it, Jesus, even, Jesus called it being born again. And I, that's a great way of looking at it because it's like new life. It's like a new beginning. It's like a new outlook on life, totally, and, and in eternity. God says, you know what? I want you to have the Passover, Moses. And it's a new beginning for Israel. It's a new start. You read that. We read that there in chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. He said, this is the beginning of the year. This is the beginning for you. This is a new start. Why? Because um, Israel had come down into Egypt 400 years before. Israel at that point was just one man. When Jacob, Jacob's name was Israel. He came down into Egypt. But now they're leaving some 400 years later. There's a million plus people. But they weren't a people. They were slaves. They were slaves to Egypt. And now God says, no, 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 no. Now you're leaving with a new identity. You're leaving now not as slaves, but as a nation. You're leaving now not as slaves to Egypt, but as a people, my people. The family of Jacob, yes, Israel. The nation of Israel. This is new for them. And I can't help but think about you and I that there was a point in time in our life where we had a spiritual birthday. (laughs) 
You know, where you can look back and, and it was like God says, I'm going to give you new life. I'm going to give you new life. Where you're not who you used to be. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're no longer uh, in bondage to these things. But I'm going to make a way of redemption for you. I'm going to make a way of forgiveness for you. And give you a new identity. Matter of fact, I'm going to adopt you into my family. And I'm going to call you my own. It's our spiritual birthday. This is Israel's spiritual birthday here. As they, as they put their, their trust in Him. Today, at the end of this service, we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper. And when we do, we remember our salvation. We remember our redemption. We remember what Christ did for us. Look at, you're in Exodus 12, look at verse 14. Look at verse 14. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it, it a feast by ordinance forever. Now look at verse 26. And it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, What mean ye by this, by this service? That ye shall say, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover who passed over the house of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses. And the people bowed the head and worshipped. And the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So did they. When they partook of the Lord's Supper, they each and every individual had to receive it. They had to accept it. Is that correct? Each person had to accept it as an individual. But... They did it as a family. It was set up as families. They did it in their houses. And they did it centered around family. And there was a reason for this. That's why we partake of the Lord's Supper as a family. When we partake of the Lord's Supper today, um, it is as a local church, a body, a family. The family of God partaking it together. But he said, there's a reason for this. I want you guys to do this each year. Make a big deal about it when you do it. He called it a solemn assembly, which means they had to take it serious. It was, it was a serious time. But he said, I want you to do this uh, throughout the generations so that your kids ask why. I think that's neat. Right. So that your kids ask why. You know, as we partake of the Lord's Supper, it's good to let our kids know why we do it. It's good to explain to our kids, hey, this is why we do it. See, the Lord's Supper is not some strange ritual that we do where we partake of the body that was broken for us and partake of the cup of the New Testament, some strange ritual. No, there's good reason for why we do it. We do it because of Jesus Christ, our sacrifice, gave us redemption because we believe that the cross of Jesus Christ was where our sin was paid for. And to be able to tell our children I believe this. I believe that we should bring our children along in our faith with us and explain to them. I mean, the day that we get to explain to our children what the Lord's Supper means. And then to be able to ask them, hey, are you ready? Are you ready to partake of the Lord's Supper? See, the Lord's Supper is for those who have put their faith in trust in Christ. To be able to have that chance to be able to lead our children to Christ and then to see them partake of the Lord's Supper and know that they're doing it because they have a personal relationship with the Lamb. Yeah, 
as they have to do it as an individual. Oh, it's a wonderful thing to see the family come along with this. It's our desire, it's our goal that that happens for each and every one of us. This is what we preach to our children, redemption, the high price that was paid for sin, that by faith, that by faith the blood can be applied. That's what we teach our children. That's what we preach to whosoever, not just our children, to whosoever. I think of back in the New Testament in Acts chapter 8, where Philip preached in the New Testament to the Ethiopian eunuch. Isn't that a great story? There's so many wonderful things to to be found there. The the Ethiopian eunuch was seeking God. It was clear. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. Now he's on his way back and he still hadn't found God. He's still seeking. And he had the Old Testament uh, there with him, the book of Isaiah. And he's sitting there up in his chariot reading out of the book of Isaiah. And the Bible says that he was reading at this point in Isaiah. By the way, Isaiah was written 750 years before this conversation, before Christ. Before this conversation with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And the Ethiopian eunuch sitting there reading in this portion. It says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray and have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears as dumb, he openeth not his mouth. And the eunuch said to Philip, Hey, I'm reading this passage here in Isaiah. And this is the exact question he asked to Philip. He goes, Who's the prophet talking about? Is the prophet talking about himself or some other man? Right. The Bible says that Philip began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. You know why? He says, Let me tell you, let me tell you, friend. That's Jesus that the prophet was talking about. And that just happened. The lamb came, and he was our sacrifice for sin. And you know what the, the Ethiopian eunuch said? What does it hinder me to be baptized? Like, I'm believing what you're saying. <laughs> What's stopping me from getting baptized? And you know what Philip's response to the Ethiopian eunuch was? If thou believest, thou may. And he said, I believe. I believe. And they both went down into the water. And they baptized them there. That's a picture and type of Jesus Christ, our Lamb that was prophesied about in Isaiah. And He said, I believe. And we see here that by faith we receive this blood applied to our account. And then is baptism. After, after Passover is baptism. And then what's amazing is that's the same thing that happens here in the Scripture. As we see this Passover in Exodus, they keep the Passover. They're redeemed. And then they're baptized. We see the power of God. Salvation, by the way, does not end uh, uh, at Passover. I mean, uh, salvation is not where it ends. It's where it begins. This is how our Christian life begins. It's not where it ends. As soon as they, the people of Israel, leave Egypt by redemption, by the blood being applied, you know what happens? What's the first thing that happens? They come up against a wall, don't they? They come up against a barrier. They're stuck, aren't they? I mean, as soon as they come out by God's mighty hand and all these plagues and the blood being applied, and they come out, and then what happens? They get stuck up against the Red Sea. 
And there they are. The Red Sea's in front of them. A million plus people. And then all of a sudden, God, the Bible says, hardens Pharaoh's heart. And Pharaoh says, I want all my army. I want all my horsemen. I want all my chariots. And I want us to go and wipe them out. That what they did to us, we're going to go and destroy them. And there they are, the people of Israel, standing with their, with their faces to the Red Sea, and they can't get across. And they look back over the desert, and they can see the, 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 the sand rising and the smoke coming. The whole army of Egypt is on their way to destroy them. This is right after salvation in the picture. This is right after this great redemption. By the way, just because you uh, accept Christ as your Lord and Savior doesn't mean that, you're, that everything's going to get better all of a sudden. You're going to need the power of God every day in your life. The good news is it's available. The good news is that the blood is applied for our salvation, but then the power of God, and that's the title of this morning's message, Power in the Blood, is there's blood, and then there's power through the Holy Spirit that is in us. The blood that was shed for us, and the power of the Holy Spirit that is in us. We're about to see that here in, in their life. Look at, you're in... Um, Exodus, turn over to chapter 14. Chapter 14. The Bible says in verse 13, And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not. This is while they're up against the Red Sea and see the army coming behind them. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord which he will show to you today for the Egyptians whom you have seen today, he will, you will see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. <laughs> it's like, go forward? It's a sea in front of us. How can we go forward? But lift thou up thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Look at verse 21. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind. Well, it reminds me of the Holy Spirit. All that night and made the... See dry land, and the waters were divided, and the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall on them on their right hand and on their left hand. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen. I'll tell you, he had to have hardened Pharaoh's heart. That, he did not learn his lessons. As you read the chapters before this, he did not. And it came to pass that in the morning watch the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians and took off their chariot wheels and, and they uh, drave them heavily so that the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thy hand uh, over the sea that the waters may come again unto the Egyptians upon the chariots and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength. And when the morning appeared, the Egyptians fled against it. And the Lord overthrew the Egyptians by the midst of the sea, and the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the hosts of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. There remained 
not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall on them, and the right hand and the left hand. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore, and Israel saw the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and His servant Moses. Our redemption is the same today. It's by blood and by power. The blood that Christ shed for us and the Holy Spirit of God that is in us. This Passover is a picture of our salvation with the blood being applied. But this Red Sea crossing is a picture of baptism. And going over and continuing to follow the Lord and pursue after Him. The Bible tells us in in 1 Corinthians, New Testament passage, chapter 10, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat of that same spiritual meat. He said, you know what they did? He said, they got all baptized at the same time. I took them through the Red Sea and all of them went through that water all at once. The whole, the whole group of them. Why? To show that God is powerful and He can deliver His people and continue to deliver His people. These two uh, blessed and sacred ordinances that God has given us to keep as a church, the New Testament church, the body of Christ, we together, the Lord's Supper, And baptism, they're both pictured here in Egypt in God's deliverance, in God's power. But as we look at that truth now in the New Testament and what it means to us, take your Bibles and turn to Luke uh, chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, last passage that you'll turn to. Luke 22, verse 14. The Bible says, And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him and said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat this, what? Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this. And divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took the bread and gave thanks and brake it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after his sup, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. What we have here is an awesome Uh, 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 a thing that happens at the end of the Gospel of Luke is we see the Old Testament and the New Testament. We see the last Lord's Passover and the first Lord's Supper. We're commanded to keep this Lord's Supper. By the way, the only way that the the last Passover could end was if God ended it because He's the one who started it. And he's the one that started the Lord's Supper and told us and commanded us to keep it. You say, why are we told to keep it? Uh, The Apostle Paul uh, talks about that in 1 Corinthians, why we keep it. He says, we keep it to remember him, to remember 
his sacrifice, to remember his blood that was shed and, and his, his body that was broken. It also is a thing where we can pass it on to our children, just like the, Egyptian, the, the people of Egypt coming out of Egypt saying, hey, we were delivered. We were, we were saved. We were redeemed. We keep this Lord's Supper. Uh, why? Because uh, we want to remember what was made for us. Also, the Lord's Supper is a time of self-examination. It's a time of sanctification. You say, what do you mean? Uh, it's a time where we uh, take time to pray and confess sin that's in our lives and in our hearts. It's important to do that. It's important to stay clean and in right fellowship with the Lord. And and the Lord's Supper is, is, is about that. It's a time of confession and self-examination and repentance. It's, it's getting the leaven out. The, the unleavened bread that we partake of is a picture of Christ's body, but it's also, hey, confessing the sin in our own lives. We do it as individuals. Each individual has to partake of this Lord's Supper and think about it for themselves. But we also do it as a family, as a whole congregation, as like-minded believers coming together. And lastly, the reason why we do this. He says, do this uh, uh, until you show the Lord's death till He comes. In other words, each time we partake of the Lord's Supper, we admit that Christ has not come back yet, but He is. That we're expecting Him. That we're waiting on Him. He is coming back. And can I say this? There's another exodus coming. Just like, just like God's people were pulled out of Egypt by great power and great might, the Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. And then he says comfort one another with these words. There's another exodus coming. But until then, we're to keep the Lord's Supper. And we're to keep it with, uh, with a, uh, a sober uh, mind, remembering Christ and His sacrifice, our Passover. Taking time to confess sin and clear our hearts before God. And then, to be able to say, Lord, we're looking for Your return. We're looking for Your coming. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. We'd love to hear from you and learn how you've been encouraged or challenged by this podcast. Please leave a comment on the Contact Us page on our website, or you could write to us at P.O. Box 641, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. Feel free to visit us anytime that you're in the Springboro, Ohio area.